Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Amen. Well, hey, would you give a round of applause to everyone who's around you? Look at all of you coming out in the freezing cold. It's cold out there, but it's nice and warm in here. Can we give a round of applause to our musicians as well? Aren't they phenomenal? Yeah. So hey, our theme as we hang out tonight is the theme of peace. And there's this ancient word for it called shalom. And the first time I heard someone say shalom, I thought they had sneezed and I said, bless you. But I want to give you a chance to say that word. So as you take a seat, would you turn to someone near you and say shalom? Give it a try. Well, hey, my name is John, and if you're a guest with us, I'm just so honored that you're here. And I can pretty much guarantee there's one thing that you and I have in common, even if we've never met before, and that is that you want peace in your life. Not just like the absence of conflict, but you want everything to be good. You just want everything to be set. That's what that shalom word means. We all have it in common. And We get glimpses of it. It's that feeling uh, if everything's good at the end of a Christmas dinner or a Thanksgiving dinner and you're just like, ah, everything's set. Or it's that feeling when the kids have all opened their presents and they're happy with what they got and they're playing with their toys and maybe there's a fire in the fireplace and everything's good. It's that feeling, but more than that, that sense that everything is okay. Uh, We want that for ourselves. We want that for the people we love. We even want that for our pets, don't we? I mean, is it just me? Are there any other dog people in here? Can I see the dog people? Raise your hand if you're a dog person. I'm one of you. We love dogs in our house. In fact, so much that now we have two. Here's our our newest dog in the middle there is Sonny, our puppy. And you see two of my beautiful kiddos holding Sonny. Sonny is a great joy, but she also brings a lot of chaos Just today, she went out into the blizzard. She's running around out there. She's going to freeze to death. And she's not at that stage yet where she comes when we call her. And so um, Jack, my son, had to suit up and venture out onto the polar surface to try to tackle Sonny and and bring her home. I, I found that puppies are like joy and chaos wrapped in a furry package. And uh, kids are actually a little bit that way as well, joy and chaos together. And as parents and grandparents, um, we put in so much effort around this time of year to just make the holidays magical. Just the other night, my wife and I, we were up uh, late, we were wrapping some presents, and this old Christmas movie came on called Christmas with the Cranks. I don't know if you've ever seen it or not. It's not the most popular Christmas movie. Tim Allen's in it. And this scene came on, and as a dad, I was like, oh, that would so be me. Uh, if I was in this position. Here's what happens. This couple, they've raised their daughter for 22 years. Every Christmas, they've gone over the top with the presents, the tree, a big annual Christmas party, lights on the house. Well, now that she's 23 and she's out of the house, they decide they're gonna skip Christmas. They decide, they, they book a cruise to the Caribbean, 10 days under the tropical sun, and they're so excited until surprise... 
They get the phone call that their daughter's coming home for Christmas after all, and it kind of destroys their world. Go ahead and take a look. Dad, is that you? Wait a minute. Blair? Yeah. Hi. Blair? No, that... Blair? No, that was a joke. I thought that was somebody from work. Your mom's going to get on the other line, and then we both have something very fun to tell you. Blair? Hi, Mommy. <laughs> I'm in Miami, and I'm coming home for Christmas. What? Are you guys surprised? I, I, I'm stunned. Surprised? We landed about an hour ago. Oh, that's great! What, what do you mean, we? Well, I have another wonderful surprise. Oh, yeah? What is it? I'm with Enrique. What's Enrique? Enrique. Well, he's a doctor. Well, we went to Brown together. You guys met him a couple of times at my dorms and at, at, at my graduation. Of I don't remember. He's Peruvian. Oh, great. A communist. Honey. Sometimes we called him Rick. Rick? Rick, the guy that you went down there to shack up with. He lived in a separate hut, Dad. Hot schmutz. I want to see some pictures to prove that. We've been friends for years, and he's just so wonderful. We fell in love while working together. And... Yeah. He's asked me to marry him. What? And I really want to. What? has always gone home for the holidays, so he's never celebrated Christmas in America, and he's so excited. I told him all about Christmas there. The tree, the decorations, Frosty up on the roof, everything. Is it snowing, Daddy? No, Enrique has never seen a white Christmas. No, but I sense a storm coming. Okay, when, um, when do you land? When do you get in? Oh, we land at 8.03. Tonight? Yes, tonight, just in time for our big Christmas Eve party. You are having the party, aren't you, Mom? Of course we are. Oh, great. Oh, Mom, you are going to love Enrique. He wants to have a house full of kids. Oh, honey. Oh, Mom, I can't wait to be home. Pretty neat surprise, huh? Uh, I am speechless, and your father is probably overwhelmed. Great. I love you, Mommy. Oh, I love you, too, honey. Safe flight. Okay, I'll see you. <laughs> should have called sooner. But she didn't, honey. Why did you tell her we're going to have that party? Because we are. Oh, I need my vest. <laughs> well, I don't know if you could relate to any of that. By the way, kids, the, those things they were talking into, those were phones, and that one, the box on the wall that the daughter was talking in was called a payphone ancient artifact of the world now. But I laughed so hard when I saw that scene because the dad, I, I kind of felt for him. He'd worked so hard to get everything set and then it all changed in a minute. I call that a peace attack. It's kind of like a heart attack. It's not as deadly, but it uh, can hurt real bad. A peace attack is when you had peace you had life the way you wanted it. Life was looking pretty good and then something or someone attacks your peace. Sometimes it can be comical. Sometimes it's just busyness and craziness. Other times it can be a lot heavier. Sometimes just one word, two or three syllables can destroy your peace. Words like cancer, divorce, death. Uh, words like fired or hospital. When I was seven years old, my grandpa passed away actually on Christmas Eve. And I remember that Christmas, uh, that Christmas was just chaos. But every Christmas after that, I remember 
seeing the place at the Christmas dinner table where he used to sit. I remember when we would all circle up to open our Christmas presents, the space where my grandpa had always been. And I especially remember seeing the difference in my dad, seeing the difference in my grandma. Can you relate to that? Have you ever felt that way where some change, something unwanted in your life just ripped your peace away from you? Uh, Live long enough and something or someone will eventually steal your peace. And so I wanna pose a question to us tonight. Why do you need God's peace in your life? Why should you consider God as a source of peace? I'd suggest right off the bat that it's the only peace that can't be stolen away from you by a change of circumstances. It's the only peace that can't be taken away from you. And I found this to be true in my life, and it's been proven over thousands of years for followers who believe in God that his peace is the only peace that defies hopelessness. You can be going through the most difficult thing of your life, but you still have hope when you have God's peace. This is why Jesus, the baby who was born at Christmas, one of his titles is Prince of Peace. Because he claimed that he was God bringing the peace of the creator to us, the creation. So Jesus is his name. He's a well-documented person in history, Jesus of Nazareth. But Prince of Peace is one of his titles. And if you're thinking, John, how does this work? How does a person have a name and a title? Here's an example that I think most of us can understand here. We all know Superman, but is that his name? No, that's actually his title. His name is Clark Kent. Now, Superman, of course, is a legend or a myth, I I think. You might believe he's real. That's okay if you do, okay? Superman, though, is one of his titles. And for Jesus of Nazareth, Prince of Peace is a title. Now, there's another title he has that's probably his most famous, most popular. It's the title of Christ. So when people say Jesus Christ, it's actually not his last name. That's a title. And here's what it means. It means the Savior or the Messiah. Actually, not too unlike Superman. It's the idea that a God-like figure, though in the case of Jesus, the one true God, not a God, comes into the world of us mere mortals and fixes problems that we can't fix on our own. So what Christmas is, is a holiday uh, started by the people who believe Jesus is God, and really what it means is Savior miss. In other words, we're remembering, we're memorializing that in world history there was a time when God came into our world. Uh, If you wonder about, is Jesus a myth or a legend? Uh, I used to be an investigative reporter. I've done so much research on that. We could give you all sorts of books and ancient records here. We're not going to do all that tonight. But I will tell you this. uh, Where Jesus was born is a city that still exists. It's called Bethlehem. And you could actually, if you wanted to spend the money, you could get on a plane tomorrow. You could fly to Jerusalem. You could hop on a bus and you could be to Bethlehem by sunset. And so you need to know about the Christmas story. These are documented cities that still exist. And these are documented people, not only documented in the Christian Bible, which we can date all the way back to the first century, but in other non-Christian ancient manuscripts like Roman historians and Jewish historians who didn't believe Jesus was God, but they still document that these basic things happen. Now, according to the Christian story as written down by followers of Jesus who knew him, on the night Jesus was born, there was a group of shepherds 
in the suburbs of Bethlehem. Now, the suburbs of Bethlehem were a little different than the suburbs of Indianapolis. It's where the shepherds would go to take care of their sheep. And by the way, you tend to see shepherds with beards and, you know, most of these shepherds were probably teenagers. Uh, In fact, some of them could have been teenage girls. That's a part of the Christmas story that it doesn't tell us that. But if you look at tradition in the ancient Near East, shepherds are often teenagers. And it's not uncommon for them to be girls or boys or a mix thereof. Here's what these supernatural beings, they all of a sudden reveal themselves to the shepherds. By the way, the supernatural world, it's like parallel to what we see in the physical world. It's always active. We just don't usually see it. These Angels decide to reveal themselves, and of course, that's a scary thing. If you're out in a field at night, and all of a sudden, some big majestic being is floating in the sky, you kind of panic. So here's what they start with. They say, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, and this is not just for the Jewish people who've been waiting for a Messiah. This is actually going to be for all people. Here's the good news. Today in the town of David, that's Bethlehem. A savior has been born to you, the Messiah or the Christ. And knowing these shepherds would want to go and see this because they'd been raised to be looking for the Messiah, the angels say, here's here's how you find him. You're going to find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger, which is a feeding trough. So, you know, don't don't go to the hospital. Don't go, (laughs) go look through the different stables and barns. Jesus was literally born in a barn. Um, It's not documented that he forgot to close doors, but he was born in a barn. That was just, that was free right there. So, (laughs) here's the reality. On that first night, Almighty God left the comforts of heaven to come into our uncomfortable world. He chose to be born into a blue-collar family, into relative poverty, and and chose to actually be born under circumstances where he's placed in a feeding trough. And here's what he was really doing. He was sending his gift of peace. There's a peace that God offers to you, and this might sound a little hokey, but God's gift of peace, it came wrapped in the person of Jesus. God said, I'm going to send my peace from heaven to earth. God sees our struggle. He sees human warfare and hunger and disease and injustice. And he said, I'm going to send my peace to earth. And he sent it in the person of Jesus. Well, this baby, well-documented, grew to be a child, grew to be a boy, grew to become a man. And as a man, he would do these miraculous things. He would heal the blind. He would raise the dead. He would multiply food. And so thousands of people were following him. He was the talk of the whole area. Uh, And as people listened to what he said, his words were deeply profound, unlike any religion that existed in the world. Because where every religion says, work harder to get to God, he said, God has come to you if you'll be humble enough to receive him. Now, of all the things Jesus said, uh, perhaps the, the most stunning was that he claimed that he would die intentionally, he, he would be crucified, and this would be not just um, the death of a religious leader, but this would be God accepting the punishment for all the mistakes of humanity. I mean, it sounds out there. And then he said that he would rise from the dead, which would prove that he's God. It would prove that he can defeat death for us that he can forgive sins for us. It would prove that where there's dark chaos in our lives, he can bring a bright hope. 
And the reality is here we are 2,000 years later and more than half the world is celebrating Christmas because the people who believed in him experienced something that just couldn't be explained any other way. And they told some more people and those people experienced it and they told some more people and that chain links all the way to where we are now. You're in a group of people where many of us, we invited you here, we do this because we've found it to be true. Now, I don't know where you stand with God today or where you find yourself. Maybe you're not sure if God even exists. That was me for a while in my life. Or maybe you'd be in that majority of Americans who say, yeah, there's a God, but I don't really know where I stand with him. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're like, ah, I love God, but I don't know if I'm feeling his peace in my life. Uh, wherever you find yourself right now, I just want to encourage you with this. In your heart right now, you can just call out to God and say, God, I want to know you. God, I want you to be my savior because there's this promise God makes. He says, if you seek me, you will find me if you search with your heart. There's a peace that God wants you to experience. Did you know that? God doesn't want you living a life without peace. He doesn't want you living in depression. He doesn't want you separated from him. He wants you to have peace in your life. And that's why I introduced you to that sneeze word, shalom, because it's, it's really a much bigger idea of peace than in English. When we say the word peace, we tend to just think of the absence of war. But shalom is this idea of whole life peace. In fact, if you want to imagine your life as a, a brick road or a brick wall, the idea of shalom, whole life peace, what God wants for you, is that every brick is in its right place. It's not the sense that you'll never go through difficulty. It's the sense that when you go through difficulty, um, you're sturdy and you're settled and you have this internal sense of, um, we're going to be okay. We, we're going through a hard thing, but we know how the story ends and we're rightly related to God and everything's gonna be okay. That's what shalom is. Now, I wonder if you think of your life as a collection of these different bricks. You've got your relationships, your dreams, your desires, your identity, your security. For each of us, if we're honest, life isn't this pretty picture. It's more like this. Some of the bricks fall out of place, don't they? I just wonder for you right now, just between you and yourself, what are the things, the bricks in your wall that have come out of place? And as a result, you're lacking peace. In fact, right now, I want you to kind of visualize that brick. You don't have to put your hands up like this, but kind of visualize yourself holding that thing. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's a health struggle. Maybe you're just not where you thought you'd be financially at this point in life. And I want to make a suggestion to you this Christmas. Um, what if you were to let go of that thing? And I don't mean stop caring about it. But I mean you're looking to that thing to provide you peace. And it hasn't been able to. And what if for the first time or for the first time in a long time. You were to grab on to Jesus and invite him to be the prince of peace. For the parts of your life that are falling apart. What if you receive Jesus in that kind of way? Jesus made a promise for the people who will call out to him like that. And here's what he said using the idea of shalom, whole life peace. He said to his followers, 
I'm leaving you with a gift of peace. Peace for your mind, peace for your heart. And then here's the radical claim that Jesus makes. It's a claim that if he wasn't God, would be foolishness. He says, I'm gonna give you a peace that the world cannot give you. In other words, there's a peace that uh, if you're the richest person in the world, you can't buy it. Money can't buy this peace. There's a peace that control cannot force this peace. There's a peace that even if you get everything that you want, whatever you want, multiple houses, all your family to love you, a collection of cars in my case, whatever it is, okay, you get all that stuff, he says, I'll give you a peace that none of that stuff can give you. And get this, I give it to you as a gift. It's free. Some of you, you're here and you walked in here and I, I don't say this in a judgy way, this is been me many days of my life, but you walked in here with anxiety and fear, and that's just what you live with every day. For others, it's loneliness. You could be surrounded by people who care about you, you still feel alone. Maybe you don't feel loved or valued, you feel empty. You've tried to fill that hole. If you're honest, you've tried to fill it with busyness, with shopping, with family, You've tried to fill it with maybe social media likes and followers, with entertainment that just kind of makes the time disappear. And yet at the end of every day, you still find yourself anxious. You still find yourself afraid or empty or feeling alone. If we're honest with ourselves, we try all these other things to fill that peace void. And I just want to ask you out, out of love, what if you invited God to be the Prince of Peace in that area of your life. I mean, have you, ever, have you ever really tried it? And if not, that's my invitation to you this Christmas is to, to give Jesus a try as the Prince of Peace. Well, if you're a logical person, one of the things you might be thinking is, why is it that this Jesus guy who claimed to be God, why logically can he give a peace that nothing else can and God answers that in the Bible. Here's one of the answers. There's a lot of them. But here's one of them. God made peace with everything in heaven and on earth through the Messiah, Jesus, when he shed his blood on the cross. You think, whoa, what does any of that mean? Let's just zoom out. I'm going to nerd out for just a moment here, okay? I promise I'll, I'll stop being a nerd or I'll try to in a little bit. But think about this, the planets are spinning right now, right? We're on one of them called planet Earth, and we all know this is basic science. There's all these planets, Saturn and Jupiter and uh, millions of other planets out circling around other suns. And there are, there's just this physical world that's way bigger than us. It was here before we were born, it'll be here after we die. And whether we like it or not, it has these physical laws like gravity. Whether you like gravity or not, it's just there. And your life will go better if you acknowledge that it's there than if you don't. Now, in the same way, in the unseen realm, there are spiritual laws. Sometimes I call them spiritual laws of physics. And, and, and you can, you know, bang your head up against them and pretend they're not there. One of those spiritual laws is that there is a creator. 
I mean, if you were to study our DNA, Dr. Francis Collins, one of the leading scientists in the world right now, became a Christian and a follower of Jesus. He started as an atheist. He became a follower of Jesus because he was in charge of DNA sequencing for the National Institute of Health. And he looked at it and he said, someone designed this. There's no way this just happened. So there's a creator. We kind of know that. And part of the spiritual laws of physics is that this thing God calls sin, it's in all of us, it's around us, it's separated us from God. And we needed some way to get reconnected to God. And until we're reconnected to him, we're restless and we lack peace. And what this verse is saying is what Jesus did is he came to restore you to be in your right relationship to the whole universe and the creator of the universe. Almighty God, who crafted you in your mother's womb, who designed you and imagined you into existence, he's a good God, and he's a just God. And the reality is, one day, every one of us, our bodies will die, and we'll stand before him as a judge. Now, could you imagine if you had to stand before a judge and you knew you'd committed a crime? Um, I'll give an example. Sometimes I speed, okay? It happens. I like driving fast, okay? Imagine you've committed a crime. You're going to stand before a judge. You know that you're guilty. Now imagine that the judge reaches out to you before your court date. And the judge says, hey, you and I both know you're guilty. However, I've agreed to pay your fine for you. Or get this, what if what you did meant prison time? And the judge said, my son has decided to take your prison time for you. But here's the thing. I need to know, will you accept me taking your punishment for you? That's what Jesus did. That's what this verse is saying. Now you get to make this choice. Will you receive him? Because here's the thing. Here's what separates you, among other things, from the dolphins and lions and all the other animals in the world. You are made in the image of God. Even if you're atheist, whatever, you're made in the image of God. And part of that is he planted in you a free will, something that my cute dogs, they don't have. They're, they're bound by instinct and the, their own natural laws. But you have this free will, and you can choose for yourself if you want God or not. And my, my encouragement to you tonight is, would you receive the free gift that he offers to you? Uh, when you accept Jesus, here's what happens. He offers you first peace with God. And we don't wake up typically thinking, oh, I need peace with God. But this is actually the most important one. This slots you back into where you belong in the universe. You're, it's like you're estranged from your father, but your father's good. And through Jesus, you're back with him. And that gives you then peace with yourself. You don't have to beat yourself up anymore about the mistakes you've made. You don't have to live under shame or regret because you know that all your mistakes have been forgiven. Though your sins were as scarlet, they've been washed as white as snow. They've been separated from you as far as the east is from the west. They've been buried in the sea of forgetfulness. And so you can live at peace with yourself. Once you're at peace with God and yourself, it changes the way you relate to others. And you're able to have peace with others in ways that you couldn't before. And then my favorite of these, the peace of eternal life. I didn't think about this as much when I was younger but as I've gotten older and I'm watching my parents age, you start to realize that one day all of our bodies will be in a coffin. And if there's no hope after that, if there's nothing after that, then life is pretty meaningless. 
The peace of eternal life is this reality. It's not just a hope. It's knowing that if I've trusted in Jesus, after my body breathes its final breath, I will walk again in the presence of God. I'll eat meals again. I'll laugh with my relatives who've gone before me in the faith. I'm gonna take walks with my grandpa who I told you about. He's gonna tell me stories about what it was like to live through the Great Depression. God wants all of this for you. Now I know I've gotten pretty heavy and serious and I told you I'd stop nerding out. So let's transition with just a real life question. Raise of hand if you are hoping for some kind of Apple product for Christmas, iPad, iPhone, AirPods, MacBook. All right. Here's a very expensive stack of Christmas presents. I found this picture on the internet and I thought, that's a lot of money in a very small pile. MacBook Pro, etc. Now, I want you to imagine something with me. I want you to imagine that on December 25th, everyone around the world opens their presents and every single Apple product, all the AirPods, all the iPhones, all the iPads, none of them work. Something went wrong in the cloud and it's unfixable and none of it works. Now, I see some panic in some of your eyes. This is just a hypothetical, okay? I think your Apple devices will work. But pretend with me if they didn't. What would happen? Well, everyone would call customer service. Everyone would rush to the Apple stores. The lines would be even longer than they already are. And if Apple couldn't eventually fix it, what would happen? It seems like a silly question, but eventually if Apple couldn't fix it, they would go out of business. Because every product is a promise. If you spend your money on this, this will work. It'll do something for you. If Apple didn't keep its promise, Apple would go out of business. Now, 2,000 years ago, a real man, the most documented man in all of history, in fact, so documented that every time you have to put in the expiration date of your credit card, and you type in 2025, if you go back to year zero, what is it? It's his birthday. That's only true of one person in world history that the whole global calendar is based on him. He claimed that the people who believe in him will be given a piece unlike anything else the world offers. Now, let's just think about it logically. If that claim didn't work, would millions more people sign up and tell their friends about it every year? Would it continue to grow year after year, not just for 10 years or 120 years or 800 years or 1,800 years, but 2,000 years? I mean, think about this moment. Someone you love brought you here through freezing Arctic temperatures, and you're in this room, and no government forced us to be here. No armed guard said, you all better celebrate Christmas. We're here because there's enough people in this room that have experienced that this is true, that we're like, we want other people to know about it, and we're doing this of our free will. One out of three people alive today worships Jesus as God. So more than half the planet is celebrating his birth but one out of three people alive today, that's about 2.5 billion people, believe that he's God, and millions more sign up every year, and it works in every culture. There's people in communist China doing this, there's people in South America doing this, people in Africa, people in India. The reason is that for the people who open the gift and they try out the features, they experience that it works. It's true. If there's one thing that the last 2,000 years demonstrated, it's this. When it comes to peace, 
Jesus is the prince of it. He offers a peace that nothing else does. Two and a half billion happy customers, 2,000 years of nonstop growth. Well, maybe you're listening and you're intrigued, but maybe you're saying, John, this, that all sounds great, but you have no idea the pain I'm in. You have no idea the difficulty I'm going through. And if that's you, first thing I want you to know is this. God sees you. He weeps with you. There's actually a promise in scripture that he's near to the brokenhearted. In fact, I'd suggest this to you. The very fact that you're in this moment right now hearing this message from the word of God, whether you're online or in the room, is in itself proof that God is reaching out to you in your pain to help you. I wanna show you a family from our movement and they've gone through a horrific pain. It's a difficult thing. And yet you're gonna see within it this peace that the world cannot give. Go ahead and take a look. We're the Smiths, and we adopted a child from China in 2018, a few years ago. It was in our social worker's office where she said, hey, have you ever thought about adopting from China? And she started sharing with us about the special needs program. And so that, that really just tug at our heartstrings and, and we knew leaving there that that was what we were called to. When we got to China, um, we were sitting in a hotel room and our son was brought into us. He was a year and a half and he was not walking. He was um, barely talking. He would just kind of babble and he came right to me. For me, it was immediate, almost uh, tears in my eyes and we can give this child a home and he's ours. And we came back on a 12 hour flight from China with him and he did fantastic again. We had him on all the right medicines, followed up with the doctors. Um, at that time we were living in Fort Wayne. It was Labor Day weekend, so we were just kind of relaxing and Kyle had him. The next thing I know is Kyle comes running upstairs with Liam because he had stopped breathing. We ended up calling 911 and the decision was made to, to load him up and take him to the hospital. We got to the hospital, there was a chaplain waiting there for us, our family all showed up. When the doctor came into the conference room we were sitting in, I, I knew like the, the doctor shouldn't be in here. He, he said something like we tried all we could, dozens of rounds of of uh, CPR and, and just trying to do what they could. It, it was hard to process initially because it was such a short amount of time that we had him. It was a matter of weeks we had him and he was gone. In the time leading up to the, from when he passed, between that and the funeral, I, I felt a calling that, that Someone had to speak and someone had to lead in that moment to say, we're okay. You know, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. Nobody's going to make sense of this besides God, but we're our family, we're going to be okay. We're, we're looking up. That is where our journey of peace and hope started. We had the opportunity to move down here. We came down and COVID hit, then the whole world shut down. So in that meantime, though, the Lord was like, okay, you know what? It's time that you focus on you and your family. There was so much real authentic prayers with God. The peace for me came realizing like, 
God sent his son, Jesus, to die, he gets me. He understands where I'm coming from. So I can tell him that, like, I can't, you know, I know that you know how hard this is. That's when I, I just, I started thinking back about how I'm so glad we were able to get him. Had we not gone over when we went over, he would have died before we were even able to get him and bring him home. And not only did we have a son for life, um, but he had a family and was out of that orphanage. I think you can see the good. I went through this season of, I'd say wrestling with God, like just, what am I supposed to do, right? Those moments with God where I was just, you know, feeling really honest feel, and feeling anger even, being more transparent with God in my prayer life than I had ever been. He used that and really taught me to reach this place that I'm at now, mo most days again, <laughs> where God is speaking to me and telling me, you haven't lost anything. The loss you're feeling is temporary, right? It's, it's gonna perish with everything else and you'll be reunited. You're gonna move to what, we, to what I have for you guys as a family and individuals. And I'm gonna lead you there, but it's not always gonna be clear. It's not gonna be clear today, it, and that's okay. Hmm. That's real. That's as real as it gets. That's a real family from our movement. They live right here and they're not pretending like following Jesus means you never go through hard things. They're not claiming that if you trust God, you'll never have difficulty because they know the word of God. Jesus himself said, in this world that's broken by Satan and sin, there will be trouble, there will be war, there will be things out of your control, but take heart, Jesus said, I've overcome the world. I give you something that can rise you above the world and to me, that family, they're, they're one of hundreds of families here in this movement that they're, they're just living proof of a peace that only God can give. Back when I worked as an investigative reporter, I often covered um, fatalities and deaths of different kinds. And I learned that um, divorce, it's very common when, when parents lose a child. Divorce is one of the most common outcomes. I saw really successful people, hospital CEOs and really brilliant engineers never be able to get over the loss of a child. And the only people I know who really, really have that kind of peace that you just saw in the really heavy stuff of life, abuse, injustice, loss of a loved one, are people like the family that you just saw. And the reason isn't that believers in Jesus are somehow better people, it's that We've been reconnected to the source of the universe and so he can be a conduit of peace into our lives when we don't have that peace in ourselves. And you heard from that couple, they have this confidence they're gonna be reunited with their son. They're gonna see him again. They have the presence of God with them, not just one moment, but 365 days a year when they're locking up the house in the dark of night or sitting in a stop stoplight alone and a memory comes back, God is with them through the Prince of Peace. What you just saw is actually really 
a fulfillment of what God predicted just after Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead. He said to his followers, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I want you to spread word of me to every tribe, tongue, and nation all around the world. That's been happening. And then God made this prediction of people who trust in Jesus. He said this, then you will experience God's peace. This is for followers of Jesus. A peace which exceeds anything we can understand. And then it says this, God's peace will actually guard your hearts, almost like a guard dog. Hopelessness comes along. Depression comes along. It doesn't mean that, that life's not ever difficult, but if you're walking in Christ, look at those last lines of the verse, as you live in Christ Jesus. As you live in Christ Jesus, there will be a, a guard around your heart and your mind and there's still struggle, there's still pain, but there's this kind of supernatural peace. That phrase, as you live in Christ Jesus, it, it implies two things if you think of a Christmas present. The first thing it implies is that you've opened the present. You've believed in Jesus. That's really step one. And, and to get that, you can just think of, you know, opening an, an iPad or an iPhone, right? Like the first thing is, here's the gift. You've got to actually receive it. And then the second part of it, which you saw in that video, was using it. That couple has experienced God, conduits of peace into their life because wherever they've lived, Fort Wayne where they were, now here, they find a movement of other Jesus followers. They surround themselves with other believers. And it's when you're in that kind of movement. That's why we'd invite you to be here every weekend with us in January. Because when you're around other people, they become conduits of God's peace if they're connected to him. And maybe you don't know a promise of God for your situation, but someone you serve with or you're in a small group with or you sit near on a Sunday, they know and they share that promise with you. And it starts to be this 360 degree uh, peace impact on your life. Well, I wonder in that first step, have you ever torn the wrapping paper off of the most valuable gift in the world, God's gift of his son to you? Have you ever opened it and received it for yourself? You know, this is the only gift that you can take into a coffin with you. You could have all the money in the world. You could have your 401k account where you want it. You could have a second home. You could have all sorts of stuff. None of that can go in your coffin with you. This is a gift that can. This is the only gift that guarantees that 100 years from now, um, you can still be alive and connected to God and eating and walking. Just like opening an iPad or any other gift, you do have to choose for yourself if you'll open it up. So here's my invitation to you. Unwrap God's gift of peace by receiving Jesus as your Savior. That's how you do it. That's how you tear the wrapping paper off of it. It's actually not a super complicated thing. You don't have to um, have every single question answered. I'm a pretty analytical person and a researcher, and I had a season of my life where I wasn't sure if God existed. I had questions about where the Bible came from. I, I found over the years answers to all those, but there was a key moment in my life where I called out to God and said, Lord, I just need your help. And th that's unwrapping the gift. In fact, you might think about it this way. Imagine a man struggling in the waves. He's out in the middle of the ocean. He doesn't have a life jacket. He doesn't have a boat or a life raft. He's been swimming and he's exhausted. And the Coast Guard shows up, big old rescue ship. 
Does that man need to know the engine capacity of the Coast Guard ship? How many liters is the engine? Does he need to know how many life jackets they have? Does he need to know the provenance? Where exactly was that ship built? Really, all he's got to do is say, help, and receive their help. Once he gets on board, he can get all those questions answered. That's what happened to me. I finally reached a place in my life where I said, God, I surrender if you're there, help me. Jesus, if you are God, I'm choosing to believe in you. Belief is not a feeling. It's a movement of the will. It's a choice. And I unwrapped that gift. Once God got me up on board and rescued me, I found the answers to those questions that I had. I want to show you one last movie clip. It's from that same movie with Tim Allen. And it demonstrates this moment where you're deciding, and I know it's some of you right now, you're in that moment. You're like, yeah, I think, but it sounds too good to be true. Will I receive it? And as you watch this clip, you're going to identify, but I just want you, as you watch this, to think, why wouldn't you receive such a great free gift? Stop making excuses. Go ahead and take a look. Um, could I come in for a minute? Thanks. <clears throat> Blair's gonna be staying with us for 10 days, so we're not taking the cruise, and uh, Nora and I would like you guys to have it. Flight leaves at 12 noon tomorrow. You gotta be there two hours ahead of time. It's 10 days in the Caribbean, islands and beaches. The works. It's a dream vacation. We can't take it, Luther. It's, it's not right. I didn't purchase the travel insurance. So if you don't take it, the whole package is wasted. I, I'm not sure my doctor would allow it. I, I've got that Lexan deal on a, on a front burner. Oh, Benny said he might stop by tomorrow. Yeah. And, and we, we couldn't leave the cat. <laughs> this is from us to you. This is a sincere, heartfelt, no-strings-attached Christmas offering to two very selfless people who are, at this moment, having a very difficult time looking for an excuse. Benny did say he might stop by. Face it, Bev. Benny hasn't been home in years. Look, I've got everything right here. I've got airline tickets. I've got cruise passes. I've got a brochure. Uh, what's the cost? Is there, if we decide to go, we'd want to reimburse you. This is a simple gift, Walt. No costs. No payback. Don't make it complicated. Our, our names aren't on the tickets. I know. I'll take care of that. What about the cat? Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, too late to call the kennel. We can't just leave him. We, we, we could ask Jude Becker. She's allergic. I'll take the cat. What? Are you sure? Yeah. Look. Yeah, look at that. Look at, look at that. See? Maybe if you don't step on him so often. Yeah. yeah it, it, it'll be fine. <laughs> Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. 
Well, uh, I should get back to my party. You know, my favorite line in that exchange, don't make it complicated. It's counterintuitive, God's gift of salvation through Jesus, because we want to earn it, we want to pay for it. God says, you couldn't, you couldn't pay for it if you tried. You can't work your way back to me, you can't earn your way back to me, but you don't have to because Jesus did. All you have to do is be humble enough to accept it, to humble yourself and say, God, I've got things in me that are broken. He says, if you'll humble yourself, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is God and believe that in your heart, that he died on the cross for you and rose from the dead, you will be saved. It's as simple as that. So I actually wanna give you a moment to do that right now. God wants you to have that gift. He'll take you as you are. He'll even take your cat. He'll take you with all your mess. He loves you. He loves you the way you are. So uh, let's do this. Why don't we all kind of bow our heads down, close our eyes. I'm just gonna lead us in a moment for those of you who are deciding you wanna receive that gift. That gift doesn't come through me. It's not a magic passcode. It's a movement of the heart. But I'm gonna lead you in a prayer that you can repeat in your heart. And these ideas are the ones that God says, move your will to agree with this and salvation is yours. So whether you're believing this for the first time or as a recommitment. Um, some of you might wanna say it out loud. Sometimes every service, some people do that. Or if you're more nervous, or if you just wanna say it in your heart, that's fine. I can do one little phrase at a time, okay? And here we go, it's very simple. It goes like this, Almighty God, I need your peace. I receive Jesus as my savior. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. God, would you forgive my sins? Would you provide peace for me? Would you guide me? Help me live in Christ. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, way to go. I know many of you did that in your heart, and I heard some of you doing that out loud. That's the most important decision of your life. Um, God says that in that moment, the chains of sin are broken. You're adopted into the family of God. Your name is written in the book of life. You've got a reservation in heaven. And I wanna give you um, a way to kind of memorialize that. And, and it's this, our team's about to sing a beautiful song of peace over you. You can remain seated and just let it wash over you. But if you called out to God in a meaningful way tonight, you can actually text the word peace to this number on the screen. 65293. And if you just text the word peace, we're not looking for your money. We're not looking for anything. We want to help you know that tonight you made this decision. Then, just like the family you saw, we want to help you walk in Christ so that you don't just have one sentimental moment, but you have a life of peace with God. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that 
and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us, and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.